Welcome to Threshold Church. Today's message is from Pastor Jake Kale. Amen. So last Sunday, I did a message called Bringing Deliverance to a Generation. And if you missed that, I do encourage you. We always record our messages, and they're, they're on our website. But I did a message called Bringing Deliverance to a Generation. And we are living in a time where, where the powers of darkness are, they're always active, of course. I mean, we're in a spiritual battle. We know that. Um, but, but we're in a culture that is highly influenced in the demonic a culture that is in need of deliverance, a culture that's in need of a revelation of Jesus as Savior, yes, but also as deliverer, as the one who sets people free, as the one who heals, as the one who um, restores. And there's a calling, there's a calling on the people of God to be that people and to carry that message and to carry that ministry. And so last week I did this message on bringing deliverance to a generation. And then we had this setting captives free weekend. And uh, there was a couple messages that went with that and awesome ministry times and God was moving. But what I, what I want to talk about today is raising up an army to set captives free. Raising up an army to set captives free. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, it says that Jesus, he called the 12 to himself. He began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. Whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. How about that for your first mission trip assignment? How about that? Hey, I'm going to send you out. Don't know. You can't take any money. You can't take extra clothes. You can't take extra food. You're just going to go. I'm going to send you. All I'm going to give you is authority over demons. That's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you power over unclean spirits and a message to preach the gospel of the kingdom, and you're going to go, and you're going to preach that people should repent, that the kingdom of God is at hand, and God's going to be with you. You're going to trust God to open. Hey, you, you go to a house, and if they receive you, great. Let your peace rest upon. If they don't receive you, shake the dust and go to the next one. Wow, that's kind of different than our... The way we do missions today, isn't it? It's a little bit different. That was their first mission trip as the disciples. But I want you to notice what he specifically equipped them with. It says that he called the 12 to himself and he gave them power. And that word in the Greek, it actually is more authority. It's a word exousia. It means dominion, authority. You're authorized. It's like a legal right. He gave them dominion, authority, power over unclean spirits. I mean, in today's Western church, this would be like a foreign concept. This would be like so different 
I mean, I like to say this is basic training. This is, this is Christianity 101. This, is, this, was, this was not an elective for the disciples in their, in their training. This was a core class. So on, on, on Friday night during the deliverance weekend, I preached on Mark chapter 1. I often quote from Mark 1 when Jesus came on the scene, and I said something like this. I said, you know, the first, uh, the, first ones, the first ones to recognize who Jesus was in his ministry were the demons. They recognized him. He went into the synagogue. He's preaching the kingdom. This guy had a demonic manifestation. He says, I know who you are, and there's this big disruption, and Jesus commands the demon to go out, uh, and, and the demon goes. But then it says that the people were astonished at his authority, and they began to spread the word. They began to tell, they began to spread the word. It said then his fame went abroad to all the different lands, and then all the people started coming to him to get delivered from demonic influence. And so the first thing Jesus became well known for was his authority to cast out demons. It was the first thing that got people's attention. It was the first thing that drew people to him in a mass scale. And it was as common as it was for him to preach as it was to cast out a demon. But then we get to Mark 6. And I want you to see there's a transition that's starting to happen. Because up until that point, Jesus was the one doing it. And then he had called these disciples to himself in Mark 3. It says he called these 12 to, to be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority. So, so, he had, so he calls a group of 12 to start following him around, to start being in kind of a closer inner circle so that they could have a relationship with him, so that they could actually see up close and they could hear his teachings and they could be trained and equipped and then it gets to Mark 6, and now it's their turn. See, because Jesus never intended deliverance to be the work of one person. Jesus never intended to be an exclusive exorcist where, where he was the only one that people could come to to get deliverance. Like he had um, like the, the corner on the market, so to speak, for deliverance. He never intended it to be that way. And so he intentionally drew these 12 men to him, and he, he walked with them, not just for deliverance, but I'm focusing in on that for this, for this evening. But, but he intentionally wanted to impart, he intentionally wanted to equip, he intentionally wanted to distribute this ministry and multiply this ministry. Because in Mark 1, there was one person casting out demons. In Mark 6, there was 12 others. 12 others went from 1 to 12. And it said they cast out many demons. They anointed with the sick, those uh, many with si who were sick with oil, they healed them. So it went from one to 12 others. He's beginning to multiply this ministry. We see a similar passage, Luke, one, uh, Luke 9, 1 and 2. It says he called his, uh, the 12 together, gave them power and authority over evil spirits, over unclean spirits. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God. But then it gets even bigger. It gets wider. Because in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, it says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So now he calls a, a larger group, a wider group of people. He begins to send them out as well. And then in verse 17, it says, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. 
And they had this conversation about their experience when he sent them out. So notice now, it went from one person, Jesus, doing the work. Now he expanded it to 12 people doing the work. Now he calls a larger group of people outside of the 12. There's 70 others. Now there's that whole wide range of people. And they come back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he says, okay, big deal. Paraphrasing Jesus there, but he says, Yeah, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. But don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He sets the priority right, but he also affirmed the authority we have over evil spirits. The demons are subject to us in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the reality of spiritual authority that Jesus has given us. So he he, he keeps expanding it. He keeps growing it. He keeps adding more people over the course of time until we get to the end of the book of Mark. I've said this this verse many times, but in this progression, you see it widening and widening and widening. We get to the end of the book of Mark, and he's commissioning them. He's saying, go and preach the gospel to all creation. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. So it just got wider. Because now he broadened it out to those who believe. Those who believe. He broadened it out. He he started with the 12, just himself. Then he went to the 12 apostles. Then a larger group of 70. Then he just said, these signs can follow what will follow those who believe. Anybody who's a believer. So he kept expanding it and growing it. And gave it to the whole church. And here's what I found when it comes to the ministry of deliverance. The, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I talked about this a little bit last week and how the need is so great for this ministry to be brought to the forefront. God's highlighting this ministry, bringing it more to the forefront. He's calling the church to embrace the ministry of deliverance in a greater degree. He's bringing it more to the front and center because the need is desperately great. I told the story, I think, last week about the the, the woman who was reaching out to all these churches in the area. She She was actually from York County, but she was emailing all these different churches, and she emailed 50 churches. She emailed 50 different churches, and our threshold was the only church that responded to her when she was looking for help to get free from demonic influence. And we, had, we met with her. We prayed over her. She got delivered. But I'm thinking, well, how can this possibly be? How can this possibly be that something was, that was so foundational for Jesus Something that was so foundational for following Jesus in the early church has just been swept away, not embraced, pushed aside, swept under the rug to the point where, where even there's you know, churches and, and ministries that they might even believe in it but just won't even talk about it, won't even minister it, won't even deal with it for whatever reason. Why is this the case? I believe that we, we are in a timely season where God is bringing a, a converging 
in this area. You guys have, uh, you've probably heard of the term, the Greek word kairos, as it relates to time. There's different words in the, in the, in the New Testament for the, word t- for the concept of time. One Greek word is chronos, one Greek word is kairos, and chronos is chronological time, just like point A to point B, like a timeline. And kairos has, has to do with the concept of God's appointed time or a due season or a, 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 an appointed time for God to act, to step in. Like in Galatians, it says, don't grow weary in well-doing for you will reap a harvest in due season if you do not lose heart in, at the appointed time. It says John the Baptist was in the wilderness until the time of his manifestation to Israel. In the wilderness. Nobody knew who he was. Hiding away. Him and God. And then all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, he's on the scene. Due season. We are coming to a point in time, I personally believe, and we're seeing the prophetic confirmations, that there is a due season that we're coming into to see deliverance thrust more into the forefront in the body of Christ in this nation. Barry Whistler came yesterday. Barry's the um, found, he was the founding pastor of um, East, uh, Effort of Community Church and of Harvestnet International. He's an apostolic leader in this region. And he came yesterday to be part of the book launch celebration. And he was sharing about deliverance. He was sharing about how back in the you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, you would see there was kind of a wave of deliverance that was, that was coming through. People like Derek Prince and Don Basham and some others. And then he said you just, he just saw it kind of dissipate especially in the Western church. And he'd go to other places. He'd go to Argentina, and you would see, you know, in their crusades, and they'd preach the gospel, and then they would cast out demons, and they would see deliverance happening. He'd go to other, other places in the world, and he'd go to India, and you start preaching on the kingdom, and demons would just start manifesting. And, and he, he would see all this, and then he'd come to the U.S., and there, he wouldn't see anything happening. And he, he was crying out to God, Lord, where is this? You know, raise up a new generation of this. Raise up a new wave of this. And he was just speaking into this that he, that he believed this is, this is an appointed time to see this released. So I believe God wants to multiply the ministry of deliverance, just like we saw in that, that, that progression. He multiplied it. 1, 12, 70 to the whole church. Just a couple of testimonies on that. I remember a few years ago, we had a service at Threshold. We had a deliverance morning one time. And there was a, a guest that came from, he, he was visiting. He's from this area, but he'd moved out to California. And somebody invited him to Threshold that morning. And he was a little bit unsure about some of the charismatic stuff, you know. Some of that, I just think it's Bible stuff, but... <laughs> Um, but, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a charismatic environment, so I get it. I totally get it. I, the first time I saw people lifting their hands and dan- I was just like, what, where in the world? What, what is this? But then, but then you read the Bible and you say, oh, that's actually supposed to be happening. That's actually supposed to be normal. You know, you, first time you hear someone speaking and you're like, what, what in the world is this? And you're like, oh, it's actually, it's in, it's in the scriptures. The first time you see a demon, you know, cast out, you're like, because it confronts our traditions. It confronts what we think is normal. But I've said this many times. When, we, when we're confronted by something that is different than our church tradition, but it lines up with the Bible, then we have to be the one that changes. Because God doesn't conform to our culture. We conform to his. 
We conform to the culture of the kingdom of God. We don't try to get God and his church to conform to what we're used to. And so this young man didn't come from a background where this stuff was normal and happening, and his friend had invited him to come, and he was a little leery about Threshold. I guess Threshold has some, some, somewhat of a reputation in our, in our county. I guess so. I guess so. I just, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. I don't, every once in a while I, 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 hear, I hear things, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know people, people had that thought. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. Um, so, so he was a little bit nervous. He was a bit leery about coming to the service, but, but he, he decided to come. Now, he didn't realize we were having a deliverance service that morning. So, so not only was he coming to Threshold, Charismatics, Church, etc., cetera, um, but it was a deliverance morning, which... At that point, I don't think we had really done like a full-blown deliverance meeting for a Sunday service. I'm not sure, but. So he, he comes to the service during the corporate ministry time. Now, I don't know this until after. I, I, I hear about this testimony months later. Because especially when you know, we, we do these large meetings, corporate meetings for deliverance, you don't always know what's going on. You don't always hear all the stories until sometimes months, sometimes years later. You, I'll hear a story. Hey, when you prayed for me at this time. Or, so this is one of those situations where, where in, the, in the middle of the corporate ministry time, at some point I was just calling out different unclean spirits. And um, at one point I, I commanded a spirit of lust, spirit of pornography, something like that just to come out. And he, he got delivered from pornography. He got delivered from unclean spirits associated with pornography just in the corporate setting without me going to him or praying for him. Nobody laid hands on him. I just, I just spoke that out and something left him and he got delivered from addiction to pornography. That's awesome, right? But, but, that, but, that, but the point of the story is now, then he went back to California and he got connected with another group of believers that started embracing deliverance, and then he started ministering deliverance to other people. He, started, he, he got involved with a group of people that, that began to embrace this, and so he began to pray for deliverance, and they began to pray, and he began to cast demons out. So it, it, it went from that one meeting, an encounter, and then he took it with him, and then he started doing it. We, did, we had something like this happen just a couple weeks ago when I went and taught at um, Global School. Um, I taught at Global School of Supernatural Ministry, uh, Global Awakening. Rachel was there, and you, could probably, you probably know this. Correct me if I missed this, but, but um, there, was a, there was a group of about 30-plus students in the room, and then there was an online group. And somebody in the online group that was watching it got delivered during the ministry time. I always do a ministry time when I teach on deliverance. And, and so I was doing a corporate ministry time and the person was watching it online and they got delivered of some sort of a spirit of heaviness or something. Um, and they started telling their, but what they did is they, they, they told their mom, prayed for their mom and their mom got delivered. Is that accurate? Is that right? And then, so again, the person took it and began to apply it. The person received it they got set free, but then they also were equipped to minister to somebody else who needed freedom. Do you see how this can happen? 
Do you see how this can happen? I love Peter and Laura's testimony. They shared on Friday night when they went to Florida and ministered to their friend who had been addicted to heroin for many years, right? And their friend was delivered from 289 demons on that night. I'm not going to tell the whole story because they, they told it in um, incredible testimony. And now he's been free from heroin for several years, correct? That's incredible, right? It's incredible. But what I love about that story is that Peter and Laura just stepped out in obedience. They, they were fairly new to threshold, six months or a year. You know, they had a maybe awareness of deliverance and what it was, but they never really like experience doing it. They didn't have experience doing it. They just maybe heard some teaching and were around it a little bit. And so they felt the call of God to go and pray for their friend in Florida. And they even took their two, two little ones. They took them to the house and God met them. And their friend was delivered from a spirit of addiction, delivered from multiple demons. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible what can happen when you, when you take something and you begin to apply it? You take something and you begin to step out in faith, even if you don't have it all figured out. Let me, let me give you a hint here. I still don't have it all figured out. People think I'm like a deliverance expert or, you know, yeah, I have about maybe 15 years of experience ministering. Okay, great. But I don't know everything. I don't have the answer to every question. I, there's times where I'm, still, I'm praying for someone. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have a long way to go. I have a long way to grow in. I'm, I'm, God, God doesn't use a person for deliverance because they're a preacher. God doesn't use a person for deliverance because they have, you know, because they wrote a book on it or whatever, Right? And so I, I really, I really, this is the year coming up, going into this new year. This is the year where, where when it comes to threshold, that the deliverance is going to start to be distributed through the body. And it's, and it's going to be not seen just as a Jake thing. And, I'm, and God's going to begin to use many other people from this church body to begin to step out into this. And I've said this before. I'll know I've been successful, so to speak, in this when, when a person comes across a situation where, a person needs where somebody else needs deliverance and their first thought is not, I better call Jake. I know I'll be successful when that person can step in and do it themselves. That's when I'll have been successful because our calling as leaders is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not just do ministry. Now, I'll, sure, I'll continue to do ministry, but, but there's going to be a shifting and a raising up of other people to begin to step into and minister this because God never intended it just to be about a single person or an exclusive ministry. You guys with me? Come on now. Can we start tonight? Can we start to, to, tonight's the beginning. We're starting, we are starting tonight. Good question. We are, tonight is... <laughs> so, I want to just, going into this, first of all, I want to talk about, as we step into this, we need to make... Deliverance, a normal part of church culture. Now, we've been working on this for, for several years 
And so some of this won't be new, but I know there's new faces here in the room as well. Um, how do we do that? How do we make deliverance a normal part of church life while also realizing deliverance is not the only thing we do. It's one of many things we do. We're, we're, we're called to be a house of prayer, first and foremost. We're called to be a place of prayer. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to pastoral care. We're called to evangelism. We're called to worship. Right? There's so many things we're called to do. So I'm zoning in on this topic, but we're not going to preach on deliverance every week. We're not going to only do deliverance. There's a lot. We do a lot of things. Okay? But Deliverance should be seen as a normal part of the life of the church. And I think there's some ways that we can make that happen. Um, one is deliverance should be talked about and taught on openly. Okay, check. We have that one. We, we can't be afraid to address it. We can't, be afraid, we can't be ashamed of it. In the Western church, we cannot be ashamed of our supernatural heritage. And there's something that bothers me so much because I came from a church background that denied the supernatural and that didn't believe in the supernatural, didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And so I, I, I grew up, and then when I found out this stuff was real, it was almost like I felt like I'd been robbed. I felt like, where has this been? How come this was withheld from me? How come nobody taught me this? And then you know what bothers me so much, though, is then you have groups that started from a Pentecostal background. They started from a spirit-filled background, and they're denying and diminishing those very things. I'm like, how can you do this? This is our inheritance. This is what God has given us. Why are we ashamed of the supernatural? Why are we ashamed to embrace Things that the Bible says are normal because we're afraid people might not get it. We're afraid the culture might be offended. The culture might make fun of us if we believe in tongues, if we believe in demons. We're afraid that how, how we might appear to people. We cannot deny our supernatural inheritance. So we, have, we can't be ashamed. We can't be ashamed of it. We can't be ashamed to talk about it. We can't just think it's a hush-hush topic that we just, let's just pretend we don't really do this and let's just only do it in a hidden way and just only do it in a, that's not how Jesus did it. He did it openly. That's the second point here to make it normal. Deliverance should be ministered publicly in a healthy way, in a balanced way, not, not in a way that, that causes confusion or, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it should be grounded in the truths of Scripture. It should be done in a way with compassion and uh, in order of, the, of God. But I think it should happen publicly, like, and, which is, again, check. We, we, we have that. We're, we're doing that. Also, we, we offer to do it in private as well. We do personal prayer ministry. We do both are very valid. We do both of those. But I don't think we should shun and be afraid of doing it in a public way. Uh, the, a third thing that could make, that helps bring this and make it more normal and makes it more um, relevant to people is having testimonies, which is why I wanted to include those testimonies throughout the weekend, the last two nights. We had testimonies of people that, that were, were set free. Testimonies of people that were delivered from pornography was one last night, incredible testimony. We had one uh, video of a person that was delivered from anxiety, depression. We had Peter and Laura share of their friend got delivered from addiction. Because what that does is it shows, it shows us that it's relevant to our lives. 
It's like, okay, it's one thing to have this concept, to see it in the Bible, but then you get real-life stories when a person was bound by suicidal thoughts or depression and they got delivered, or they were bound by anxiety and fear and they got delivered. They were bound by addiction or sexual sin and they got set free. It makes it relevant to us because we realize there's a lot of people in those situations. So including testimonies of deliverance. I think another way to help make deliverance more ingrained into the culture in a healthy way is that deliverance should be done alongside of pastoral care and discipleship. Because deliverance is not meant to be a standalone thing. It's meant to go along with walking with people, discipling people, and renewing of the mind, and being grounded in Scripture, and rooted in God's love, and uh, understanding our identity. All those things can be worked and built into, which is why I believe the local church is the place where it's actually meant to happen. See, what we've done so much is we've outsourced everything. The local church has outsourced everything. So, so we don't want to deal with deliverance, so then a specialized, you know, a specialized ministry will, will do it because the church won't do it. So, you know, we don't want to do evangelism or missions. So a special organization has to, and I'm not opposed to those organizations, but, but those things were meant to happen in the context of a local church. So we're, we're working on some of those things. Rachel's interning and helping um, just really um, build some, some processes and administrative side of deliverance. We're, we're working on uh, something for the new year about having like, a, like a, maybe a six-week group or something where, where, where people can walk through a process and they can get some foundations, they can receive ministry, but it can also be kind of a journey and, uh, with pastoral care. So we're working on some of those things. But the last step in that is that we should equip the average believer to cast out demons and minister deliverance. If we're going to make this something that is supposed to be normal, something that Jesus demonstrated, something that Jesus passed on, something that he left for the church to do, then we need to equip the average believer, everyone, you, you and me, people sitting in this room, to, to be able to minister deliverance. And I know that some people are going to have more of a drawing to it than, than, than others. And I, I say this all the time because there is such things as, as callings and, and graces and drawings towards certain areas. So not everybody might be called to, you know, make deliverance as big of an emphasis as it is, you know, for me. I, I, it's something God has specifically uh, released for me to bring to a broader scale. But every single believer is able to cast out demons and should be equipped and have a basic understanding so that when you come across somebody, when you come across somebody that is under oppression, you can be equipped to know how to lead them through and how to pray. And then some, some in the room are going to be more drawn to it. And that's why you see ministry teams growing and uh, prayer, prayer teams for personal ministry, for, for, for altar ministry, because there's some people that really feel that tug and that pull. So what if that's you? What if, what if that's you? What if God's pu putting that tug on your heart? What do you do? What are, what, are some, what are some ways you can begin to apply this? What are some ways you can begin to actually 
put it into practice. Let me just give you a couple pointers. The first thing is to seek God's heart. Because deliverance is meant to be a ministry of compassion. Do not see deliverance as a spiritual power trip. Don't see deliverance as a way to prove how anointed you are, prove how gifted you are. Don't see deliverance as just a way that you can have cool stories to tell. Okay, now, we love to, again, testimonies are awesome, but please, we have to get the heart in the, in the right place. We have to have the motive in the right place. So the first thing is to seek the heart of God because all true ministry flows out of relationship with God. True ministry flows out of connection with the Father. It flows out of encounter with Jesus. It flows out of being led by the Holy Spirit. First and foremost. So that has to be in order so that we're having, so that we're, one, rooted in our relationship with God. In this, we're in the secret place. We are receiving God's heart. We're receiving God's love. We're receiving compassion. We're receiving the right motives. And then from that point, my next suggestion would be then to begin to learn and get equipped as much as you can. Study the scriptures. Dig into, dig into what scriptures have to say about this topic. Dig into the gospels. Look at the ministry of Jesus. Study the stories where Jesus dealt with demonic spirits. Dig into that. Find resources. Find books, whether they're mine, whether they're somebody else's. There's a lot of good resources. If you like to learn by listening, podcasts, messages. If you like to learn by reading, that, that for me, I learn by reading. That's why I like to write. Because I was equipped for deliverance because God showed it to me in a dream, number one. Because number two, I read a book by Derek Prince that taught me about it. That was, God equipped me through that. So I want you to understand, nobody trained me outside of God's work like that. Nobody, I didn't have a mentor to show me. I didn't have a, a pastor or a leader to walk with me. So I want you to know that if you have a book, my book, Derek Prince's book, whatever, you have exactly what I had when I first started. But, but the learning helps. It gives you foundations. It gives you principles. It gives you keys to make you aware, to make you prepared. I think another good thing to do is connect with other believers that are, have a similar heart, a similar passion. Glean from each other. Learn from each other. Grow from each other. Another key is to Continually seek and receive for the Holy Spirit's power to rest upon you in ministering. Because the Holy Spirit, he dwells within us from the moment of our salvation. He comes to dwell inside of us. But we see repeatedly throughout the scriptures, especially throughout the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit would come upon the disciples in a fresh way. 
So cultivating a lifestyle of prayer, of fasting. I talked about that last week, right? Cultivating a lifestyle of prayer, of fasting, of seeking, of asking, of knocking, of receiving. Because there's so, I, I, I fully believe there's so much more to receive in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Paul's handkerchief was casting out demons, right? Paul's handkerchief was casting out demons. Peter's shadow was healing the sick. So we have, we have some room to grow. There's more for us to receive. And we can stay in a place of hunger. We can stay in a place of using what God's already giving us and not diminishing it, but also hungry for more and realizing there's more. And then that, this last step here is very simple, but it's the part where it's the hardest one. Step out. Be like Peter and Laura. Step out in obedience. Don't be afraid you're going to mess something up. Don't be afraid. Listen, I'm not saying we should be flippant. I'm not saying we should just, oh yeah, just you know, make it like a joke. But, but don't be afraid that you're just going to mess something up. And Trust God. God is the one who's doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to do the work. Not you, not me. Yeah, he works through a vessel, but all, it's a vessel that's yielded to him and that says, God, I need you to work through me. It's not because how smart we are or how much knowledge we have or how many books we read. Yes, those are get equipped and read the books and do all that. But when, you're, when, you, when it comes to stepping out, it's, it's trusting God that he's going to be with you. Jesus is the deliverer. Not you, not me. He is the deliverer. And there's something about stepping out and beginning to do that releases the power of God. There's something about obedience. God's power will work when we step out in obedience. Because it's putting our faith into action. It's putting our belief into practice. It's not just being a hearer of the word. It's being a doer of the word. Somebody asked me this question yesterday, or I think it was Friday. I mean, this weekend's kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, it was Friday night after the service, after the deliverance meeting. This person had driven from, uh, from Pittsburgh. You know, it's so interesting. He attends the church I grew up in. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so we just, as we were chatting, he, he came across my, my books and my podcast. He emailed me. and was like, hey, I'm going to come to your service. And um, we're chatting. And he's like, so how do I... He's like, how do I broach this subject? Like, if, I'm t if, I, if I think maybe there's you know, people that might be under oppression or they might need deliverance, how do, you, like, how do you bring this up? That's a good question, right? I mean, you don't just walk up to somebody and say, come out, right? You know, I mean, at least that's not how I do it. Maybe if that works for you, go ahead. But, but you know something? But here's what I said, and here's what I do. If... Now, it's, maybe it's a little bit easier for me because I'm always te teaching it and talking about it, so people are coming. They're, people are drawn. They're asking. But before, years ago, before I was, had books and was teaching on it, and uh, you, you could, what I would do is you can ask questions. 
to gauge people's openness and readiness. Because you don't want to force it on people. There, there's, there's a lot of people that might need deliverance, but they might not be in the position where they're ready to receive yet. And so you're not trying to force it on people. You're not trying to you know, make it this thing where you're um, trying to make people do things they're not ready to do, right? You want, people want to be op- you, want, you want people to be open and ready to receive. And that's why even in Peter and Laura's testimony, they were there. They didn't pray till the very last night when he was ready. And he said, all right, I'm ready to pray. He went out and he, he burned his heroin bag and stuff, and he was ready to, to pray. So I ask, I can, you can ask this simple question. If, if somebody's describing, you know, this torment they're having in their mind, this, this dark depression they're having, or this bondage, you know, they're enslaved to a sin or an addiction, you can, I ask a question, have you ever, have you ever considered uh, there could be a spiritual component to that? Like, have you ever considered there might be like a demonic uh, spirit or a spiritual component? You just ask a simple question like that. You, you'd be surprised that some people actually have, ha- have considered it, but they're afraid to acknowledge that. It's like, you know, people that might hear voices in their head and they're, they're afraid to say it. They're afraid to acknowledge that maybe it could be demonic because there's such a stigma attached to it. But it, ask a simple question like that. You can ask a question. You can share a testimony hey, I heard this story where, where this person was, for years was battling this dark depression, these suicidal thoughts, and they actually went to this church service and they got prayed over and they got delivered from a spirit and it left them. So it was a pretty incredible story. I mean, have you ever, have you considered that maybe that, right? Share a testimony. You know, I mean, what's the person gonna do? They're either gonna have to believe it happened or say, well, you're lying, Right? Share a testimony. Ask a question. Point them to a resource. Point them to a book. Point them to a sermon. Hey, would you, would you listen to this message? I know this might sound crazy, but I have this pastor. He's a little bit out there. <laughs> and he talks about these demons and stuff. And I know it kind of might sound weird, but listen to this message. It's actually, there might be something to it, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Pass on a message. That's why I love when people come to like a deliverance meeting because I love to bring, so many believers would embrace this if they just had the biblical understanding. If they just saw it in the word. If they just saw it in the word and they, and they, they heard the testimonies. So there, there's, you, you, can, you can do it without being spooky or over the top about it, right? But, but begin to step out. When I... When I first read Derek Prince's book, I was probably 20 years old. And it just opened my eyes up to a whole realm I had just had no concept of before. And I began to see different situations differently, different people's circumstances, different struggles and bondages. And I began to, I began to recognize now a spiritual side that I had never even considered before. And so, and so opportunities will begin to come your way when you're, when, you're, when you're in tune and when you're led by the Holy Spirit and when you're aware and you begin to gauge those opportunities and then you begin to step out. You know, the first time I led a person through deliverance, I had the Derek Prince book and in that book was a prayer and that was all I had. <laughs> And my sister helped me. I said, Liz, please, I don't, 
I'm not going to do this by myself. Hey, Jesus sent them out two by two, so it was wisdom. But seriously, I, I had taught at this Bible study at my parents' house, and this guy came up to me, and we started talking. He's sharing his depression and darkness and torment, and he's sharing some of his background. He'd been in the occult before, and just, and I'm like, I, 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 I act like you know what you're doing. <laughs> I said, do you want to pray through a prayer of deliverance? As if I had done this hundreds of times. <laughs> I had not done it one time. There has to be a first time. You, you, have, to, you have to break that barrier. So I just said, would you, would you be willing to pray through a prayer of deliverance? He said, yeah, sure. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, Let's go. So we, you know, all, everyone's upstairs eating food and fellowshipping and snacking and all that good stuff. And, and I got my sister and I said, hey, Liz, can you come pray with me? And she had just been filled with the spirit and was growing. And, and I just opened up the book to the prayer for deliverance. I said, hey, here's a prayer. Why don't you look through it and see if you have any questions. And, 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 and what I want you to do is I want you to begin to just to pray through this prayer. You're going to repent of things, you're gonna, you're gonna renounce, you know, when you were dabbling in the occult stuff, you're gonna, you're gonna renounce that stuff, you're gonna completely cut that tie, and then once you're finished praying through this prayer, I'm gonna begin to command spirits to come out. I'm just, so he just, op- he just looks through the book, he's like, okay, right, let's see. He starts, he just starts praying through this prayer. And halfway through, a demon starts manifesting. To my bewilderment. <laughs> I mean, halfway through, he starts to breathe real heavy, real deep, real. And then, and then, he's, then he can't, he's, he, something's gripping his words. He can't, he can't say the prayer. He has to, he has to push through, saying, finishing through the prayer. Something's trying, some unseen force, literally, was trying to withhold him from being able to speak and pray the words and pray through the renunciations and renounce the demons. And, this, and, and I'm just like looking at my sister. She's looking at, we're like, we're like, what in the world now? Okay. But God, there's grace. It's because he's with you. It's because he's with you. He, he, he finally got through the prayer. I, I laid hands on him. I started just to, all I did was I, what I read in this book. And so I just started commanding spirits. And he starts to go into a full-blown manifestation. His arms begin to curl up. He begins to fall backwards. He falls onto my bed. And, and you know, by the end of our prayer time, there's probably five to seven demons that had left him very visibly because they would come to the surface. It would, they would actually say, it would speak out what, his, what the name of the demon was. And it would, leave, it would leave when I commanded it to go out. And that was my first time. So I laid in bed, <laughs> wondering, where do they go? <laughs> I seriously was up. My wheels were just spinning. I seriously could hardly sleep that night. I was like, just like, kind of like, what in the world? Like, just... What just happened? And I was, I literally was like having all these questions like, okay, like what? And, I, and all I did, I was like, where did they, it literally happened on my bed. I mean, he, he fell onto my bed when he was. But that broke through for me and removed this barrier and this fear and this, and that was over 15 years ago. That happened about a month before Anna and I got married 
was about a month before that. And ever since then, we've both been involved in ministering deliverance consistently. Every setting we've been in. I was a teacher at a Christian school, taught middle school students, high school students. And I would share, I would just, I would, see, I, I come from a teaching bent. So I would, I would, I, I had Bible class and they let me write the curriculum. <laughs> they literally did. It was a spirit-filled, you know, school, church and school. And, um, and so one of the first classes was an overview of the New Testament, New Testament survey type of a thing. So when you're going through the Gospels, how do you not talk about deliverance? So I would teach the students. Students would come to me. I'll never forget when a seventh grade, seventh or eighth grader got pretty dramatically delivered of a demon and his dad was a Baptist pastor. And he came knocking on my door a few days later wanting to know what in the world had happened. So I just told him what happened. I said, well, your son came, he approached me after class and asked me to pray for him because he said he thought there might be some demonic stuff going on. And so I began to pray for him and he began to shake and this guy actually took that prayer of deliverance. I had it on paper at this point. I had it printed out. And he actually took it and began to like rip it. He was real, he was, it was the demon was very angry, but he got delivered. And, and you know what's so interesting is that the, the, the Baptist pastor, he wasn't mad at me. He just was like, because he, he saw a difference in his son. He saw a difference in his son. And, and, but he just said, no, he was like, Help me understand, like, what, what did you do? Like, what, what happened? Like, so every setting we've been in, teaching at school, being a youth pastor, young adult pastor, you know, being an associate pastor in Texas, moving to Lancaster, coming to, it's just, it's just normal part of life, normal part of ministry, normal part of the gospel. But take that, take what you're learning and begin to apply it to, to situations and people around you. Again, not in a forceful way where you're trying to force it on people because if somebody's not ready, if, if a person doesn't want to be free, there's not a lot we can do. Because notice we read in, in Mark 6, notice he says they went out and preached that people should repent. Verse 12, Mark 6, 12. They went out and preached that people should repent and they cast out many demons. So notice it was repentance and then deliverance. Submit to God, resist the devil. Close the door, cast out the demon. So who's, who's ready to do this? Who's ready? You know, it's, one of the things I need to learn how to do with this when it comes to equipping, I do equippings. I, do, I go to different places and equip people and it's, it's, easy to, it's easier to do equippings for, like, prophetic stuff and, like, um, healing. You know, okay, we're, we're going to pray for healing. Who has, you know, pain or who wants to get prayer? But, like, it's like, well, who wants to get delivered of a demon? Like, it's, it's, you know, a little bit different. Like, how do, you, how do you, like, orchestrate an equipping? Or, like, you know, for the prophetic, it's like, well, let's just all wait on the Lord and let's see if God shows you something. If God shows you something, you speak it out. You know, it's a little bit different. But, um, but here's how I equip people. You know, the way Jesus equipped people it was multifaceted. He connected with them. He built relationship with them. He modeled. He showed. He demonstrated. He taught, instructed. And then in Mark 6, he let, he let them do it. He let them apply it. So I'll often have people that 
are wanting to grow in this. And so they'll join, they might join me like, you know, on a prayer team or they might come, maybe I'm praying for somebody in a personal setting and I'll say, hey, would you want, want to come with me and just, you know, you can just assist. That way they can see it done and see it modeled um, without having the burden of responsibility yet. And then maybe, is this thing, is it my fault? No. Um, and, then, and then maybe uh, the next time, maybe they can lead the meeting and I can just be there. Stuff like, you know, things like that, right? So there's, there's a process. But there also has to be that willingness to obey, to step out. I want us to stand to our feet. I believe that God wants to raise up an army of believers to set captives free. And what I really felt like we're supposed to do tonight is actually have a prayer of empowerment, a prayer of imparting, a prayer of asking the Holy Spirit for a fresh baptism, a fresh commissioning, a fresh anointing. I want, I want to see God anoint people in this room that have a heart, that have a passion to see captives set free. And I'm going to begin to pray over this, over this congregation. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And, and some of you are going to be actually begin to have a tangible presence of the power of God begin to come upon you. And some of you are going to begin to feel God's love in your heart. Some of you are going to begin to feel uh, just the, a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's an indication that he's drawing you into this area. And then we're gonna, I'm going to do some um, laying on of hands as well. So I want you just to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to prepare your heart in a posture of receiving. If it helps to close your eyes, if it helps you focus, you can do that. If it helps to put your hands up, you can do that. But I'm just going to begin to pray and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon everyone in this room, to come in this place. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon every person in this room. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray a release of the anointing that sets captives free right now. I say, come, Holy Spirit, fall in this room. Spirit of God, fall in this place. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit begin to fall upon the people in this room right now. Let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to anoint people in this room right now to begin to step out. God, I ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to begin to flow in a greater way through the people in this room. God, I ask for words of knowledge to be released through your people. I ask for discerning of spirits, God. Discern, the gift of discerning of spirits to be imparted and released to your people in the name of Jesus. I ask for the gift of faith, Lord, an empowerment of faith that gives boldness 
God, I ask for gifts of healings to flow through people, God. We're gonna wait, we're gonna stay in this posture. We're just gonna wait on the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Let the power of God fall in this place right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I just say, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to set captives free. Just as Jesus released, I just say, you are authorized. You are authorized. You are authorized. You are authorized. Not because I say it, because the word of God says it. Because the word of God says it. You are authorized. You are commissioned to cast out demons. You are empowered to cast out demons. You are anointed to set captives free. You are anointed to bring deliverance, to bring freedom, to bring healing. You are anointed. You are authorized. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the power of God begin to fall in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, Lord Jesus, would you walk through this room? Lord Jesus, walk through this room. Would you walk through